0: This semester we've been looking at Ephesians and I'm borrowing Emily's Bible because I left my Bible in the car so if you have a Bible or you can look up there we've been going through the letter of Ephesians and st. Paul wrote Ephesians while he was in prison and Ephesians was a very dear church to him he spent about three years there preaching about Jesus and the gospel and so this is some years afterwards where he's checking up on the church and he's writing a letter to them while he is in prison. And he writes about really the glory of salvation. And he writes about the grace of God. And he especially writes about the church. And so I want to emphasize, like all, really all semester, one of the things we really want to emphasize is, is the fact that um, God is building a new structure, it's called the church, and all who place their faith in him come into this incredible fellowship with not just people in present time, but literally people from all time who believed, and we we become part of this, the body of Christ, and so in a letter today, he's especially talking about how these people that were far off, the Gentiles, how they came in. Uh, to the body of Christ. And so if you have your Bibles, look at Ephesians 2. Your print is very small in this Bible. Um, so I am going to do the old stretch. And uh, I might have to like just read that. But let me pray for us, and we're going to look at this. Lord, thank you so much uh, for this time. And we pray that you would be with us as we look at your word, that your Holy Spirit would work in our lives. Um, Maybe we don't even believe that you exist, but we pray that you would uh, speak to us tonight so that we would be convinced, uh, that you would meet us in our our problems, meet us in our anxieties, that you would change us as a result of this time. We pray that in Christ's name. Amen. So this is uh, verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised, And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off, and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access into one spirit, to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens, with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I hope I read most of that correctly. Um, So as we look at this passage, um, this passage is all about the unity that God brings through his gospel. And if you think about our world, we live in a very divided world. I think all of us know that. That there are divisions everywhere. There's political divisions, right? There's racial divisions. There's socio- thank you, thank you, Josh. <laughs> Give it up for Josh. He's great. <laughs> there's there's, so, there's socio-economic divisions, right? Rich and poor. There's educated, and uneducated, right? There's redskin fans and Cowboys fans. Okay. There's, there's all of these divisions in our world. And especially, I feel like, over, over recent um, years, there's, there's, we, we almost have become more politically charged, and uh, issues of racism seem to be coming to the forefront each new day. Like I was watching the local news yesterday, and there were several like elementary schools and schools where there was issues dealing with race, racism just on a local level. And then, of course... You know, there's been demonstrations down in Charlottesville, if you, if you pay attention to the news, and there's been responses uh, by our president and so forth. And so we, we live in a country that has had a history of some 350 years of slavery, right? And I'm not telling you anything new, but these issues are very real. And there's also systematic race, racism as well as Is all that that's ingrained in our our culture and in our institutions. And so, historically, that's out there in the world. But guess what? Even in the church, okay, the church has been responsible as well for a lot of things. The church has a lot of black eyes. The crusades and so forth. And so if you ever are talking to someone who isn't a Christian, they start bringing up things like this. You just have to agree with them and say, that is true. That's horrible. That was wrong. And then hopefully you'll go back to Jesus and say, you know, but Jesus didn't teach that. Like, if we look in the Bible, like, Jesus didn't teach that. But, yes, there were some horrible things that have gone on in history. And, again, the church has been the cause of a lot of that. In fact, um, you know, as you think about, uh, like, the issue of slavery, there was church, there there was ministers literally writing treatises on how slavery is justified in the Bible. I mean, that's just... That's what happened, even in my own denomination, okay? And so you can't look at our world and say, gosh, everything is just fine, everything's okay, because it's not. Sin has influenced every area of culture, every area of society. And so even after the Civil War, right? You guys know your history. Reconstruction happened, and things were really going well for like 10 years. But then everything got reverse, and we have the Jim Crow era. And really, it took about 100 years to get the Civil Rights Act from the end of the Civil War. Okay, Um, So we've all been affected by this. And Martin Luther King said an amazing statement. He said, you may have heard this quote. He said, 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is still the most segregated hour of the week. Okay, So we have a lot of work to do. So Paul is talking about the reconciling power of the gospel. The reconciling power of the gospel. And he's talking about a couple things in this reconciliation. He's talking about reconciliation between God and man. But he's also talking about the reconciliation between people, and especially between Jews and Greeks who hated each other. And so as we look at this passage, and we're just going to break it down like this. The desperate, hopeless situation is this is our problem without God. Secondly, how Christ has reconciled us. And third, the new structure he gives us to work out this reconciliation. And so the first thing here is this. It's. The problem is, without Christ, you're hopeless. That's what he's saying here in the beginning. It's just like last week in the beginning part of Ephesians 2 where he says, but you're dead in trespasses and sins. He's talking about in this passage how, therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, um, you were separated. You were alienated. You were without God and without hope in the world. And so he's talking about two things here. Uh, commentator John Stott talks about a double alienation. Paul's referring to the first part of the chapter. He's saying that all people are separated from God. They're dead in sin, and, the, and they because of the fall, we can't get to God. That God has to come down and get to us, and that's what Jesus has done. So he talked about that in the first part of the chapter. But now he's talking about this double alienation that Gentiles have. Because they were separated also from the Jews. And Paul is reminding the Ephesians that before they heard the gospel and believed, they were totally separated from both God, single, single alienation, and also from the Jews where the promises of God were. And so you might wonder, well, like, why did God come to The Jews first. Okay, so in the Bible, if you go back to Genesis, we have God coming to Abraham, and he makes a covenant with Abraham. But guess what? Abraham was a Gentile. Abraham worshipped the moon God, and he lived in a place called Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, God came to Abraham, and Abraham believed God, and he became the very first covenantal person who is going to then... The, the father of the Jewish faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob's called Israel. And so this is the heritage of the Jewish people. And so God is especially bringing his promises, his prophets, his word, his covenant to his people, and they are believing. But guess what? All through the Old Testament, God had always cared about the Gentiles. And he told Abraham, he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless the pants off of you. But I'm gonna, and I'm going to make you a blessing to the nations. That the nations are going to be blessed because I'm blessing you. That you are actually to be a light to the nations. That it's not this, this beautiful message of the covenant of God, the love of God for his people, should also go out to the world. But guess what? Israel got fat and happy. Just like us. We hear the good news of Jesus, right? And we just like, oh, this is great. I love it. Jesus, thank you for saving me, for giving me, giving me everything that I have. But, like, I'm just going to live my life, and I don't really care about other people. And so, and the roots of, you know, division, racism, all that stuff, like, take root. And we just keep doing that. Nice plate. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you got it. So, so anyway, but, like, th- this, is, this is the issue. And so, Paul, Paul is saying, I mean, ultimately, God is saying that he's always cared about the Gentiles, But the Jewish people got fat and happy, just like we do. And he's saying that because of that, the Gentiles are left out. He's saying that you're hopeless, you're separated from Christ, you're alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, you're strangers to the covenant. No hope without God in the world. And so this is the situation of the Ephesians before Paul comes and preaches the gospel to him. But the point is, is that God had always cared about the Gentiles. And now you see that when Jesus comes on the scene, he is preaching the gospel and he talks about, and he, you know where he preaches a lot in the beginning? He goes to Galilee. Galilee to the north of Israel. And guess what? There was a lot of Samaritans there and also a lot of Gentiles there. So he's preaching the gospel, both to Jew and Gentile. And in, in Isaiah talks about Galilee of the Gentiles. And so, see, Jesus shows up and he is reversing what Israel did. Israel got fat and happy and didn't want to take this good news about God to the, to the Gentiles. But now Jesus is showing that. And then when Jesus, uh, right before he ascends into heaven, he gives the Great Commission. He says, what? I want you to go into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he's like, Judea, Jerusalem. Everywhere, Samaria and to the ends of the world. So he's like saying, my family's got to get big and diverse. Every tribe and tongue is going to be in heaven. And so Revelation is all about that, the diversity of God's people who are all unified in Christ. And so the question is, do we have that view of those outsiders? Because let's relate this to the church, because we are the Israel people. If we believe in God, we're connected to Abraham. We're the Israel of God. And so the question is, do we care about outsiders? Do we care about those who've never heard? Do we love them? Do we pray for them? Do we seek to, like, have opportunities? I'm talking about roommates. I'm talking about family members. I'm talking about people that you run into contact with. God's put you there for a reason, to be a light to those people uh, for his gospel. Because without Jesus, they're hopeless. Without Jesus, they're separated. You have the message. I have the message. I'm preaching to myself as well. So the second thing is here. What has Christ done? Well, he's reconciled these Gentiles into the body of Christ. He says in verse 13, this is the main verse. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off Gentiles have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This is the key verse. He's saying to you, Ephesians, you Gentiles, you're now brought in. So... The promise to Abraham is fulfilled in Christ. Uh, What Isaiah said, I will make you a light for the nations and my salvation may reach the end of the earth. And so here's what the blood of Christ has done. It's very powerful. It's brought us near, he says. They were separated. They were out of it. In fact, the Gentiles couldn't even come into the temple. Um, The Gentiles couldn't come into the temple. In fact, there was a sign that said, if you go beyond this, you will not just be no trespassing, but you will be executed. So at the temple, they found, these, they found these archaeological finds where there was actually signs saying to the Gentiles, if you come beyond this, you're going to be executed. This is how much the Jewish folk hated the Gentiles for being there. But he's saying that the blood of Christ has now brought us near. Jesus brings peace. He says, for he himself is our peace. Verse 14, abolishing the law and the commandments. He might create a new man in the place of the two, making peace. He preached peace. Three times he mentions peace. To you who are far off, and peace to you who are near. So he's saying that both people needed the peace of God in Jesus. The Jews, the religious people, and also the Gentiles, but he's like, this piece is not like, oh, it's beautiful, like a sunset on a warm summer day over the bay, like while you're at the beach, like with a Corona or a margarita, I'm talking to old people, but like, it's not just, I, I see it, okay, so it's not, I see you right there, um, so he is not talking about just like, oh, it's just a nice peaceful day, Al. T- this word is like, war is ended. This is the peace that God brings when you believe in him. That there was a war against you because of your sin and the wrath of God was resting on you. And now that Jesus has come and taken the wrath of God on himself for your sin, now he gives you his peace. The war is over because Jesus has won the war for us. Like the, you know, the victory is over. He signed, you know, the peace document, so to speak, and given it to the father. And so now you are at peace with God. And so He's saying that, like the Jews who were close, those who believed they have been brought near, but also the Gentiles who are far away by Christ. He says this: um, the hostility is broken down. And so He says, broken. Down, he's broken down the dividing wall of hostility, verse fifteen, by abolishing the law and the commandments. So what separated the people of God from the Gentiles? were these ceremonial laws, like the food laws, like unclean animals and clean animals. Okay, So God was making a statement. He was saying, Israel, I want you to be separate and apart. I want you to show that I'm holy to the world. And if people want to come in, they can do this, but they must be circumcised. They must believe in you. and They must obey the food laws. But this also created a separation from the Gentiles and a hostility. In fact, the um, This is why they wrote those signs on the temple saying, if you go beyond this, you're going to be executed. And also, if you remember in the New Testament, when Jesus clears out the temple because they were selling things, do you know where he he was? you know where they were selling things? They were in the court of the Gentiles. And Jesus was hopping mad because he wanted the Gentiles to come in and to experience the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they were selling things in that space. And so um, Jesus is now breaking down that wall, the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile. When He died on the cross, there's no more food laws anymore. He made all foods clean, even crabs. Okay, and so we can enjoy everything uh, that was forbidden. The Gentiles and Jews no longer have to worry about these things. They can eat together. But back in the Old Testament or back in the New Testament. Um, the Jews and the Gentiles had great hostility. Here's, here's something a commentator wrote. It said, The Jew had an immense contempt for the Gentile. The Gentiles said, said the Jews were created by God to be fuel for the fires of hell. God, they said, loves only Israel of all the nations that he had made. It was not even lawful to render help to a Gentile mother in her hour of sorest need. For that would simply be to bring another Gentile into the world. Oh. Yeah. Until Christ came, the Gentiles were an object of contempt to the Jews. The barrier between them was absolute. If a Jewish boy married a Gentile girl, or if a Jewish girl married a Gentile boy, the funeral of that Jewish boy or girl was carried out. Such contact with the Gentile was the equivalent of death. So this is is the hostility that Jesus is saying in, in the blood of Christ, that hostility is gone now. That hostility, there's reconciliation now through the cross. That these people that hated one another can come together into one new man because Jesus died and his blood was shed. There's power in his blood to get rid of these differences and to humble both sides, okay? Because this is really what the gospel does to us. The religious people or the the Jewish people, or you could say the moral people or the religious people, They were trying to be righteous on their own, by their own strength. And therefore, if they kept the law, they would be very prideful. And so they would cast their finger and say, you know, you're losers over there because you don't know God, right? And so there's pride in the keeping of the law and there's pride in the religious and there was pride in the Pharisees, right? And Paul knew all this because he was he hated the Gentiles and, uh, and he hated the Christians, who he considered, like, worse than the Gentiles, and he was putting them to death. But guess what? He needed the cross to break him. And likewise, the Ephesians, who were worshiping the temple of Diana and Artemis and the Greek gods, they needed to, like, see that their idols were going to put them in bondage and, and, and destroy them as well. And they needed the true God, Jesus. And so both sides are humbled at the cross, The religious and the irreligious come together in Jesus and are reconciled. Both see that, hey, I'm a sinner. Hey, I'm trying to earn my own righteousness, either without God or with with rules. Okay? But guess what? I need Jesus. And so the cross is this reconciling thing where it says, we're all losers. (laughs) We're, we're We're all broken. We're all on the same plane. There's not this hierarchy of you're better than me, it's like we're all made in the image of God, we're all broken, and we all need Jesus. And so this is the beautiful thing about the gospel and the cross is it brings diverse peoples together because their unity is in Jesus, even though they might have very different backgrounds or different economics, whatever. We come together in unity because we're both in Christ. This is This is the glory of the church. And so when people see like, Diverse peoples coming together, friendships building, worship happening—like that's powerful to the world because the world gets together because maybe they all like the same thing, or they all Super have Super Bowl, mm-hmm. yeah. or they have the bank, same bank account, or they, they go to this club, or they whatever. Like right, we we all team up to you know birds of feather flock together or whatever. But the gospel is like saying all kinds of different birds in this in this like group. Um, because Jesus reconciles us and we're all we recognize that we've been humbled, we've been humbled by the cross and we recognize that if it wasn't for Jesus we'd be lost. So the cross humbles us, both types of people, Jew and Gentile, religious and irreligious. The last thing is this, God then gives us a new status and he makes a new people. This is 19 to 22. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So he's like saying, you're a holy temple in the Lord. You're built together in a dwelling place for God. And so the Ephesians were way outside. They were like hopeless. And now Paul's like saying, no, now you're in because of faith. You're in this new status. You are a new people. You are the church. The called out ones. And the structure is you're connected with the Lord Jesus Christ as the cornerstone, the foundation. And the apostles and prophets are next because they were preaching and teaching about Jesus. And so the, the way you get into that structure is guess what? By faith, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And once you believe that He is your Savior and he, he is your Lord and you rest upon Him as the cornerstone, you are part of this structure and this building. And so, in the Bible, in the New Testament, you have these pictures of uh, the church is a uh, structure, a temple. The church is the family of God. The church is a body all connected together with different parts and different functions. And so, it's like this organism of connection. It's a, like a Lego building. okay? And like, so God is like taking all those by faith, and He is like building you into the Lego building of His church, and and so this is beautiful. There's we're, we're all needed. We're all a part of it. If you start taking out bricks, you know what's going to happen. There's going to be a crumbling and a hole. But but God is like saying, no. What it means to be a Christian is to be part of this structure. You shouldn't be afraid. You shouldn't be afraid of it. You should be afraid not to be in it. You should be afraid to be a lone ranger. God wants you with his people. He's called you out of darkness into light. He's called you out of independence into interdependence with him and with his people so that you can enjoy the, the protection and the love of God and the love of others. And so... This is beautiful. This is amazing. Okay? So he's like so in the church a lot of the letters that Paul writes, he's dealing with this issue. That Jews and Greeks are together in the body of Christ. And guess what? It's a little bit rocky. It's a little a lot of friction. It's not it's not always easy. But he's like saying, but this is beautiful and in Christ you're going to be able to work out these differences and you're going to be able to be humble and be reconciled. And work out differences and problems and issues because Jesus loves his church, he loves his body, and he gives a ton of grace and the Holy Spirit to make this happen. And so, this is what Jesus is doing. This is all about the reconciling power of how we're one in Christ. And so, as we look out in the world, we see all the divisions, everything. It shouldn't be like that in the church. We still struggle with it, but. We know the power to make it work, and the power is Jesus in his blood. And so consider that tonight. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for this time together, and I pray that you would make us one. Jesus, said you would connect us to your church. If we're, if we're not connected, Lord, you would, you would encourage us in that area. Help us think through it. Um, put people in our lives. And, Lord, uh, we thank you that you are building your church, and the gates of hell can't stand against it, is what you said. And it will continue on forever, glorifying and praising you. We give you praise tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.